Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. I just want to praise the Lord because two and a half weeks ago, I had eye surgery. And they told me prior to that I was going to have two black eyes and it would take three to four weeks for that bruising to go away. Um, I never had any bruising. I had, it looked like I had red pink eyeshadow on at, right after surgery. It never got a whole lot worse than that. And yeah, I still got some puffiness and all of that stuff. But I went in for post-op a week later and, uh, the doctor says, I don't know what's up with you and the lack of color because it sure wasn't me. And I said, ice and prayer. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Hmm. Well, we have been doing some interesting, fun things the last few weeks. Um, Finding out that it's okay to do church differently. <laughs> and uh, last week, we, we did something interesting. We had a, a panel discussion with um, almost all the elders. Joy gave us some of her thoughts beforehand. Uh, but we, we talked about... Uh, the idea of being a prototype church and the idea of being a forerunner. And so we're, we're chewing on those, those ideas. Uh, I, I believe that the Lord is calling us as, as a body to be forerunners. And so there are varying understandings of, of what that means. So tonight, I, I want to try to uh, distill my understanding of, of what that means. But before I do that, uh, I got an email from Lou this week uh, with, with some of her thoughts, and her thoughts were great. And, and so, uh, you know, this is what we want. Uh, we, we want everybody to be engaged and praying over this and uh, meditating on, uh, Lord, what are, you, what are you saying? What are you doing? Uh, so I, I want to invite Lou to come up and, and share some of what she shared with me because I think it's good. <laughs> I'll stand up here with you if you want me to. I, it'll work best. They gave us a lot to think about. If, if you just hold it right there. <laughs> First of all, I was concerned about the word prototype because I've worked with prototypes. Arnie explained it very well. It's a model or a pattern that we work on. We tweak it and we... Im we embellish it or we uh, improve it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, in industry, the prototype probably becomes a success and reaches a point 
where we no longer, they no longer need to tweak or improve the model, they can put it into production. But of course, if Christians serve as prototypes, we never achieve that point where we no longer need tweaking and embellishing and improvement. So there's limited, um, it's what? Not, not until Jesus returns. Not until, not until Jesus returns or the Lord takes us. At that point, I guess we're finished. <laughs> but anyway, so that was bothering me, and I, I wrote Jay about that. I had started to read, just before last week, I had started to reread Cindy Jacobs' The Power of Persistent Prayer. It's a wonderful book. I think this reading is my third. And I was reading that and have been reading it all week and thinking about some of the things that Cindy talks about in talking about prayer. Um, one of the things that I had never realized was that praise is intercessory prayer. Cindy and Mike were driving all one day. They were in very distressful circumstances. Mike had lost his job. His job had disappeared. They had no way to make a living, and they didn't know what the future held at all. And as they drove across country one day, they decided they would just spend the day praising. And when one of them ran out of steam, the other one would take over in a song or a prayer or just praise. And they did it all day until they reached their goal. And three days later, Mike got a job. And the Lord revealed to her that praise is intercessory prayer. And I think praise, of course, the Bible tells us to praise the Lord in all circumstances. And so I think that's important for us where we are. Um, Cindy points out, and the Bible makes an issue of the fact that fasting is part of a Christian's prayer life. And now no, Americans don't like to give up eating anything or drinking anything, or, but there are lots of ways to fast, and um, I think fasting is going to have to be part of our campaign to become the prototype or the forerunner that we want to become. So with this, I think we need to keep in mind. Also, it's very powerful to pray scriptures, pray God's word. I think we need to find the passages in the scriptures that apply to us and our situation, and we need to pray them. And the last thing that occurred to me is um, when we obviously need to have a prayer campaign. We need to know where we're going, though, and so we need to be focused. Um, mm -hmm. Cindy, Lou Engel, there are lots of people who lead prayer campaigns on a big magnitude. Maybe ours is not going to be quite that big, but who knows? I think our <laughs> goals are very important. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be important for us to know where we want to go. We have to have our goals in mind. We have to be in unison about our prayers. We have to all agree 
on what we're praying for, and we all have to have some guidelines about mm -hmm. how we're going to conduct our campaign. So we're going to need lots of prayer starting yesterday. <laughs> Thank you. Have you been listening to Mike Bickle? No, not recently. <laughs> but Rick Joyner and Cindy mm -hmm. and yeah. Mike, Mike, yes. I don't have any books by him, but I know about him. I can fix that. Good. All right. <laughs> so uh, next Tuesday night, this is Lou Engel on the cover of Charisma magazine in uh, March of this year. Uh, he's going to be at Resurrection Fellowship in Loveland uh, next Tuesday night. And we're going. <laughs> so if you want to carpool, let us know. Um, it's not often that we get to see someone of such international... Uh, I don't know, renown, uh, whatever, <laughs> so close. Uh, and, and he's, what it says about Lou here is, uh, meet the revivalist who has been organizing the masses for intercessory prayer for over three decades. So that's Lou. Uh, the first time I saw Lou was what year? 2004? Uh, we were at a One Thing conference at IHOP in Kansas City, and uh, when he first started speaking, I just thought, who is this guy? And <laughs> that's Lou. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> by the time he was finished, I was wearing a red armband, uh, wristband, uh, that was a commitment to pray for revival in America and the end of abortion. And I wore that for a number of years. Uh, we're still praying for those things. Uh, and God has heard all of our prayers. <laughs> so that's one thing. And the other thing that's been on the emails is uh, Franklin Graham is coming to Cheyenne August 12th. And we have some handouts related to this on the counter back there. Uh, take as many of those little buses as you think you can give out to people, because we have plenty of them. So uh, if, if we run out back there tonight, let me know, and I'll, I'll get you as many as you need. So we're praying for 10,000 people to show up in Cheyenne, Wyoming. The average has been probably between 3,500 and 4,000. So we're, we're asking the Lord to make a statement in Cheyenne. Uh, so we're praying that the church in Wyoming and western Nebraska and northern Colorado would come together and in unity and, and just make a statement that we are God's people and, and we're going to be with him. We're going to represent him no matter how hard it gets. And we know it's going to get hard. We just don't know how hard and how soon because that's what the Bible says.
So <clears throat> going back to last week a little bit, uh, I felt like we had a breakthrough in, in the spiritual realm. But there, there is no real breakthrough without follow-through. So what we did is the leadership showed you that we, we have this understanding that the Lord wants to take us someplace where we are not and where we have not been. <laughs> which means we don't know how to get there because we, we haven't been there. Uh, and we, we have communicated to the Lord by last week that, that we, we see the calling of Forerunner and, and we say yes. Well, it seemed to me that, that we need a, a better united understanding of what the ministry of a Forerunner is in, in the context of uh, approaching the day of the Lord, because that's the time that we're in. Uh, we, we can look at the life of John the Baptist and we can see essentially a prototype or a type of the forerunner ministry, because that's, that's what he was. But he was not the fullness of the forerunner ministry on the earth. He was one person. And, and he was the forerunner for the return, or not the return, for the incarnation of Jesus and the coming of the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Uh, now the forerunner ministry as we approach the day of the Lord is somewhat different because the circumstances of the time period of the approach of the day of the Lord are unique. Uh, never will have been seen before on, on the earth. So what I would like to do tonight is communicate to you uh, my best understanding of what the ministry of the forerunner looks like in, in our day and time. And, and I have to give uh, a lot of credit to Mike Bickle because I have listened to him a lot. And, and I think he has been in, in the day-to-day -day grind of raising up forerunners uh, for longer than IHOP has, has been going. Uh, it, it goes back to when he was pastoring Metro Vineyard Christian Fellowship in Kansas City. So that goes back uh, about 25 years or so. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm going to do a lot more reading than I normally do because I, I want to hit all these points. Um, I normally hate to read from notes. I, I like to have the notes, but I don't like to look at them. So tonight I'm going to do things a little differently. So, and if I'm going to do that, I have to take my glasses off so you guys are all blurry now. <laughs> okay. So, Lord, we ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, 
and the knowledge of your plan and the knowledge of your son. Uh, is Lord, when we say yes to you, we, we need to at least uh, be in agreement about what we're saying yes to. We need to have some understanding. Uh, so Lord, we ask you for that in, in Jesus' name. So the book of Joel says uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 11, the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? So that is the general context uh, of the approach of the day of the Lord. It's, there's, there's a couple different ways to um, <clears throat> translate the word that's translated great. It can be translated great in terms of all-encompassing, or it can be great in terms of really good. And, and probably both of those apply, because as we approach the day of the Lord, it's, it's going to be worldwide. Things are going to be happening on a worldwide scale. And there is going to be the best of times for the kingdom of heaven. And it's going to be terrible at the same time for those who have said no to God. And, and so that's the context of the three and a half years before Jesus returns. Uh, it's a twofold nature. It's the great and terrible day. Um, <clears throat> And I don't think I have to develop that anymore because we've, we've talked a lot about that. So in, in this period of time, there's a great tribulation, and that relates to the very terrible nature of, of the day. It's terrible to the rebellious, uh, and it's going to be the most severe outpouring of God's judgment in history in those last three and a half years. And Jesus talks about that in Matthew 24, verses 21 and 22. Then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So, <clears throat> who can endure these events? Uh, they're they're going to be shortened for for the sake of the elect. Uh, but it's it's going to be difficult, and and we have to understand that. So, in in the context of the approach of the end of days, what is the forerunner ministry? Uh, and I, I believe that God's calling us to operate in, in the spirit of forerunners to prepare the way of the Lord. And that, in Isaiah 40, that was the mandate for John the Baptist, was to prepare the way of the Lord. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh will see it together. And that's Isaiah 43 through 5. 
So we know that the second part of that didn't happen in the ministry of John the Baptist because all flesh did not see together the glory of Jesus at his first coming. So that's going to take place at the second coming. So <clears throat> the highway that God walks on on the earth is the voluntary agreement of his people as they partner with him. So forerunners are the messengers who pr proclaim, and this, this is what we really got to understand. This, this is important. Forerunners are the messengers who proclaim now what the Holy Spirit is soon or about to emphasize in a universal way across the nations. They are one short step ahead of what the Holy Spirit is about to openly release so they can prepare the people to respond rightly to what God is about to do. That, that is a, a key element in our understanding of, of what it means to be a forerunner. Uh, you know, it, it sounds like a cool thing to be out in the front and, and to be leading and, and, and all that, but it's not. I, I talked about some of this last week. You know, there's John the Baptist was misunderstood. Uh, he was rejected. He, uh, he had a, a painful life. Uh, I, I mean, even the end of his ministry was so far from what, the way he thought it was going to be. Uh, but, but yet he stayed faithful. And so, you know, for, for those who are called to be forerunners, we, we've got to have a grid for being rejected by a lot of the church because they haven't heard some of this stuff yet. Uh, and, you know, organized religion was, was the main force against John the Baptist as well. I mean, that's, that's just, they were, they're the ones who killed Jesus. So, I mean, it's, it's just been that way. And, and so when, when God is about to raise up a new wineskin, uh, not everybody likes that. <laughs> not everybody sees a need for a new wineskin. Uh, so God has to start somewhere. And forerunners are the ones that he starts with. And, and so what the other thing that I really want us to get about being a forerunner is, you know, we, we can't do this with, without the grace of God, the call of God, and the grace of God to fulfill it. The grace being the supernatural empowering of God to fulfill a calling. And, and so, you know, the, the difficulty will, will wipe us out if, if we don't keep ourselves very near to the Lord. Uh, so there's, there's a necessity of intimacy with God for any who will say yes to the calling of, of forerunner. But, but here's, here's the other thing. I mean, if, 
if God is calling us to be forerunners, we can't say no. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't work that way. Uh, he, I mean, the, the Lord doesn't change his mind about our calling. And uh, John knew this better than anyone, John the Baptist. And one of my uh, favorite things that he said was, a man can only receive what he's given from above. And he was talking about his ministry. And, and God had a calling on John. He had a specific ministry for John. And John, I mean, it started out with his parents saying yes. Uh, and, I mean, you look at the life of John the Baptist, and, uh, I mean, his submission to God was complete. It dealt with how he looked. He didn't cut his hair. It dealt with what he ate. It dealt with what he wore. It, uh, where he lived, what he said. It, I mean, it it was, it was complete. His his submission to the Lord. Uh, there wasn't any area of life, that that was off limits. That he said, okay, I'm I'm going to withhold this. That, no. And and I've talked about this before that. Uh, for us, also, the, the power to live a victorious Christian life is in the surrender of the last 2% of our life. As, as long as we're holding anything back, there, there is a severe lack of power. There's, there's a severe lack of joy. There's a severe lack of intimacy with God because... We know every time we draw near, he's going <laughs> to point his finger on that, that last 2%. And, and so you just avoid it. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's a surrender and an intimacy that's, that's required to fulfill the calling of a forerunner. Um, okay, some, some premises of... The forerunner ministry. Uh, we, those who are called to be forerunners in the approach of the day of the Lord, uh, will bring specific messages to the specific spheres of life that we are in. And what that means is. Uh, you know, the Lord may have a specific message that he wants to bring to nurses that he gives to joy. The Lord may have a specific message that he wants to give to pastors that, that he gives to me to share with them. He, he may have a specific message to people in the military that, that he gives to Luke. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, we all will have elements of the same message, but it, it will be tweaked to our specific areas of life that, that we're called to. So we need to understand uh, the unique dynamics of the generation in which the Lord returns. And this this is pretty important stuff to to grasp as well. Uh, <clears throat> the generation in which the Lord returns will witness the greatest demonstration of power 
both gods and Satans of any generation. The Bible essentially talks about three supernatural generations on the earth. The generation of Moses and the wilderness, the generation of Jesus and the first century apostles, and the generation in which Jesus returns. Uh, those are going to be the most supernatural generations. Yes, there's always been, uh, since Jesus ushered in the kingdom to the earth, there have always has always been the supernatural, but in terms of specific generations, the one in which the Lord returns is the most unique and it is the most talked about in all of Scripture. Uh, <clears throat> It is also likely to be, and, and I think we, we can bear this out uh, by doing a little bit of research, it will be the most populated generation on the earth. In fact, did you know, either right now or within 10 years, there will be more people living on the earth than have lived on the earth since Adam? I don't know if it is yet true, but it was it was about to happen <laughs> somewhere between now and about the next 10 years. There, there will be more people alive on the earth than the sum total of all the people who have been alive on the earth since Adam. That's amazing. Uh, and that tells you something uh, of the importance of the generation in which the Lord returns to the Lord, because he, does, he desires that none would perish. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, we need to understand that. Uh, the Holy Spirit is going to emphasize the revelation of the Father in bringing God's family, the church, to maturity. And God will raise up those who release the Father's heart in the home, the church, the marketplace, and government. And, and we know <clears throat> that that was part of the ministry of John the Baptist. Uh, in fact, Jesus said, in, in fact, he was the Elijah who was to come, if you can receive that. Uh, Jesus said that. So, and that's uh, what that refers back to is the passage in Malachi chapter 4 the very end of the Old Testament, where it says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. And those are the last two verses of the Old Testament. Uh, so they were waiting. <laughs> For Elijah to come. <laughs> and we know John the Baptist was Elijah. So if we operate in the spirit of a forerunner, the spirit of John the Baptist, we're operating in the spirit of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the children back to the Father, Father God, and communicate the heart of the Father to the children that his heart is toward them. And 
I mean, we, we have seen that in our generation. Uh, I don't think the Father heart of God has ever been communicated to any generation in the way that it has been in the last 10 years. We, we have just, we've seen that. We've heard it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Another key aspect that is difficult for, for many to grab a hold of is uh, the three facets of Jesus that, that will be revealed uh, as we approach the day of the Lord. Uh, and you, you could call it, Mike Bickle calls it the three facets of the beauty of Jesus. Because we know when Jesus came the first time, he came as the humble servant. When he comes the next time, that's not how he's coming. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> he's, he's coming as a passionate bridegroom. He's coming as a powerful king. And he's coming as the righteous judge of the earth. And, and it's not either or, it's all three. And there, there is no contradiction in, in Jesus in being all three at the same time. And he doesn't have to set one aside to operate in one. He will be completely consistent. So his glory will be manifest toward his bride as the bridegroom. I tell you what, I, <laughs> I want to be the bride because <laughs> that, that is the element of the glory and the beauty of Jesus that I want to be exposed to. Uh, I, I do not want to be exposed to the glory of Jesus as the righteous judge. Uh, you know, we, we will see the effects of that. <laughs> But we, we won't have to suffer the peril of that as the bride. And, and also uh, the powerful king. Uh, it's it's going to be glorious. Uh, <laughs> it, it truly, truly is. So key elements of the ministry of forerunners on, on the earth uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit in, in these days will be, first of all, to restore the first commandment to first place among the people of God. To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and we, we were just talking Wednesday night at the prayer meeting about uh, those who will come under the judgment during these days are, are those who have already chosen for themselves not to love the Son. And when a, pra when a passionate bridegroom returns for his bride... 
who is the absolute ultimate bridegroom to to ever exist anywhere he he will have a bride who's made herself ready and and she will be passionate about him there 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 will be nothing withheld there there will be nothing that this bride would not do for the bridegroom and and that will be clear <laughs> that, that will be walked out in in our lives is is my prayer the next aspect is forerunners will be gathering in the harvest uh, it will be an unprecedented release of God's power that will bring in this harvest. And, and that is for the generation in which the Lord returns. That, that will be the, the glorious aspect of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And then this one, uh, it, it took me a little while to uh, agree with Mike Bickle on, on this one. Uh, but the forerunners on the earth will actually release God's end time judgments on the earth. It will be the forerunners. Now, you're, you're probably like me <laughs> in thinking that, you know, when, when all this is playing out, uh, God's going to remove all of us and he's, he's just going to do this. Well, has he ever done that on the earth? not worked through humans to accomplish his will. Instead, he has just imposed it on, on the world. No. And, and to me, one of the most powerful statements about this is, is the, the prophetic speaking forth of Moses uh, judgments on Egypt. Uh, I mean, that, that whole story of the plagues on Egypt, the protection of God's people in Goshen, it was Moses who pronounced those, those plagues, those judgments. God didn't just do it. He, he had a human partner and the forerunners are, are going to be those partners because it, it will be the bride saying yes to whatever the bridegroom wants. It will be that aspect of Jesus as end-time judge that is coming forth through his bride. And it's okay if you have to chew on that for a while. <laughs> I encourage you to dig in. 
to the scriptures uh, about this. But uh, the Goshen principle from Exodus chapter 8 uh, will be in operation for the people of God. That during the plagues of Egypt, the people of God were protected from many, not all, but from many of those plagues. And that's the way it's going to be for us. And, and that will be an aid in gathering in the harvest. And it will release God's vengeance on those who are persecuting the church. And, and these judgments are, are going to shake the seven spheres of, of the earth, the heavens, the earth, the sea, the dry land, all the nations, religious institutions, and economic institutions. All of those things are, are going to be shaken. And we see that in, in the passage from Haggai that is repeated in Hebrews about the shaking that is, is going to come and shake everything that can be shaken. And that's, in, that's Hebrews 12, um, 26 and 27. He has promised, saying, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So, <laughs> is this sounding like a lot of fun? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's kind of sobering, really. And that, that's why I felt like I needed to really flesh this out uh, of, of what it means to be a forerunner. As uh, I think Daniel and I were talking uh, after last Friday's meeting, you know, one one of the aspects of uh, being a forerunner and you know being a prototype church, if if God is raising up a new wineskin, then he he uses some people to initiate that process and to put life into this new wineskin, so that others eventually will see and say, yeah. That's better. <laughs> I want that. And and so many at that at that point will will say yes to to the new wineskin uh in the church. So, you know, eventually there's a bringing forth of the whole bride of Christ in into the new thing that God does with forerunners. So, we we have to understand that. So there's there's a, a time period of sort of 
difficulty, persecution, uh, misunderstanding, whatever you want to call it. And then everybody catches up. And, and then the challenge for the forerunners is to love all those people who, who had been the ones misunderstanding, persecuting, rejecting everything. Um, <laughs> and, and then they, they jump on board. And so we, we have to be ready, willing, and able to love all those people through it all. And you know that that is another kind of sobering aspect of of the whole thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> it would be easier, and and you know, naturally, my my personality naturally is, I I am a late adopter. I I want everybody else to work out the problems with the new technology. And when it's about five years old, then I'll start using it. That, that is but by nature how I operate. I mean, I, I was still using Windows XP how long after they stopped supporting it completely. I, I, <laughs> and the church still has a Windows XP computer. Uh, <laughs> But we, we're doing something about that. We're, we're going to go to Windows 7. <laughs> Actually, we're going to Windows 10. But, but anyway, that's, I just, I just want to say naturally that's how I would operate. So in, in, in the natural, I, I would be one of those people you know, saying no and pointing fingers and misunderstanding. I would be more comfortable doing that. <laughs> but that's not what God is saying. So, enough of that. <laughs> uh, and, and see, that goes back to that thing that John the Baptist said. If, if God isn't calling you to be a forerunner, then, then don't do it. Don't <laughs> don't try to do it. I, I mean, because uh, you won't have the grace to do it, and it'll be painful and difficult. It's going to be painful and difficult anyway, because uh, those who are called are, are going to have to be asking God for grace to do it. That that's the only way, and and that is exactly. Uh, the way that God is going to bring about the new wineskin. It's, it's going to be through dependence and humility. And, and, and that goes back to what Terry Bennett spoke a year ago. Uh, what, was, what was going to raise up this, this powerful group of intercessors was our complete dependence on God and humility. Because, I mean, that's, that's required to, to be a forerunner. We've we got to operate in humility. We've got to love everybody, whether they understand or accept what we're doing and what God's saying or not, because eventually most of them will. 
and and then by the time it gets to the point where you know the the remnant is is calling down the judgments of God I, I don't think there's going to be many left at at that point uh, there's there's going to have been a whole lot of martyrs by by that point because we're going to be really close to the end of all things, <laughs> the end of the age at that point. So, <clears throat> anyway. Um, so, God has been preparing the hearts of forerunners for years. Uh, how many of you have read the book The Harvest by Rick Joyner? I tell you, there there aren't uh, many other books that uh, spoke to me the way that one did. Uh, there were so many things in in my life in the church that didn't make any sense until I read that book, and and then a lot of things made sense. And I don't think he ever really uses the the term forerunner in that book. But that's what he's talking about. Because he's talking about the great those who are going to be used specifically in the great harvest, and that's the forerunners. And, and he talks about how so many of them have been hidden away, tucked away for so long. And those who are faithful and loving God and pursuing God, that eventually God's going to bring them forth to be used mightily in the harvest. And so if, if you want a little more grid for this, uh, I think that book is, uh, can probably provide some, some grid. I, I think it's, it's very good. Uh, it's, it's interesting... Um, Lou, how you mentioned fasting, <laughs> because it, it really is a necessary part of the lifestyle of a forerunner. Uh, in fact, Mike Bickle uh, talks about living a fasted lifestyle. Uh, another way to describe it is living a consecrated lifestyle. Uh, and, you know, fasting has been part of my life on and off for a few decades. And I, you know, lately I just, I feel the call again to regular fasting every week. And there, there are lots of different kinds of fasting, but food is... One one of the biggies. Uh, you know, you can you can fast from negativity. That's a good one. If if you think fasting from food is hard, try fasting from speaking. You'll go back to food. <laughs> John the Baptist's father. <laughs> went through nine, nine months of fasting from speaking <laughs> because he questioned Gabriel. 
note to self, if Gabriel ever comes with a message saying, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God, <laughs> believe him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, lots of different kinds of fasting, but I, I encourage us all to get that in our lifestyle regularly just as because it is it's it's so meshed in with prayer that it's hard to separate the two and it's worship and praise is the same way it's it's hard for me to say well that's worship and that's prayer no it's <laughs> it's one and the same cuz you know we we don't fast to 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 get something from God we we fast to tenderize our heart in order to better receive from God we <laughs> hey you come here <laughs> carrot come here <laughs> How can you say no to a guy like this? <laughs> you are so cute with your haircut. <laughs> you want to go see Grammy? <laughs> he loves Grammy. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> uh, aren't grandkids great? <laughs> Hmm. So where was I? Living a fasted lifestyle. Ah, I, I think I'm going to have to finish here uh, with these last. Uh, why? Why do we need forerunners? Okay, it's it's because there there are three responses that that people will make to the things that are happening as we approach the day of the Lord. Uh, three primary responses. And one is offense. And these, these are the three primary responses of, of the people, not just the people of the earth, but the, even the people of God, to, to the events approaching the day of the Lord. And the first one is offense. Many Christians are going to be offended at God because of the things that are happening on the earth. And, and they're, they're going to say, how could God do this? How could he allow this? I thought this and this. As we all discover that our eschatology is wrong <laughs> somewhere but i thought this and and so the forerunners are are going to be able to help those people who are offended at god work through and and see the wisdom of god in what he is doing because we we have to understand that, 
that the events approaching the day of the Lord, the, the Lord has a harvest in mind. Jesus said the harvest is the end of the age, or the end of the age is the harvest. And so the goodness and the wisdom of the Father is, is going to use the least severe means necessary to bring in the greatest number of people possible in the harvest. And we've, we've got to believe that. We, we've got to know that because of what we know of God. He's, he's going to use the least severe means possible to bring the greatest number of people into his kingdom. And, and primarily, he's going to be removing everything that hinders love. He's going to be removing the things that, that we use as crutches instead of running to God. Or that we use as comfort instead of running to God. He's, he's going to be removing the things that uh, the people of the earth rely on as a foundation for their life so they don't have to deal with God. It's going to be gone. <laughs> and and then they're going to have to deal with God, uh, either yes or no. And and so we we have to we have to have that understanding. So the first response was offense. Uh, the second <laughs> uh, is partnership. And, and that's where the Lord is going to bring forerunners. <laughs> because God always has, I mean, it, it goes back to that, that highway that, that God uses, the voluntary agreement of his people as they partner with him. That, that is the highway that God uses on the earth. And so there, there are going to have to be people who, who understand what's happening and partner with God. And that, that is the, the best <laughs> of the three uh, responses of the church uh, and, and the people of the earth, but I mean, people outside the church are not going to be partnering with God. They, in fact, the, the third response is, is just to, to reject it. And because that's what the majority of, of the world is doing right now. Uh, but there, there, there kind of, there comes a time in Revelation, the book of Revelation, when essentially there are no more atheists. <laughs> Everybody has either come into God's kingdom and, and received revelation 
of who God is, or they have come to an understanding of who God is and what he's doing, and, and they are mad as heck and they're not going to take it anymore, is, is what they'll be saying. <laughs> but unfortunately, they're going to keep taking it. Uh, and the way I read Revelation at that point, no more of those people turn. Uh, and, and that's sad. Uh, so, <clears throat> anyway, I, I think uh, <laughs> he loves to play the drums. <laughs> I think he'll be starting the set when he's younger than you were, Luke. <laughs> Luke was eight, I think. <laughs> so, uh, ask me some questions. Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> we're we're trying to communicate that that this is really what we're sensing, and I I don't really think you're very far behind because I, I think we really probably communicated this for the first time last weekend or last last Friday, uh, at least out in the open and you know completely as with as much understanding as we have. Okay, that's that's a good question. Uh, our, our best understanding right now is, is that the Lord is calling us to be a, a people of prayer. He's, he's calling us to draw near to him. Um, I, I believe the Lord wants to position forerunners right now to be in the position of an Esther when the things start to happen. To have proximity to the throne. And Well, um, honestly, we're asking a lot of those same questions. Honestly. <laughs> uh, if, I mean, if, if we knew a lot of those answers, we, we wouldn't feel so much like a prototype. And I, I think prototype is probably a better description of how we feel <laughs> than what we are. Because, uh, uh, you know, we, we felt like God was saying he was giving us an invitation to be a prototype church. So then we, we eventually came to the realization, well, we can't be a prototype church if we're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. <laughs> so a, a practical thing that we did was meeting on Friday nights. Uh, uh, I, I don't know for sure that that idea was from the Lord, but I kind of thought it was. So we thought, well, we're going we're gonna to take a first step here and Okay, God. Yeah, because and, the right. Right. And like I said in in June, we've we've had four different kinds of meetings. And and they've it's been a lot of fun. I I thought um 
Now you can ask some other people, but <laughs> uh, so we're and, and one of the things that I, I've said uh, is um, and now I lost it. What did I say? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I said this to the pastors at, at CAE uh, when we met here a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, how, how many of you would honestly say that, that you're happy, you're satisfied with the harvest that, that you're bringing in, with the way that you're making disciples, with uh, the power of God that's being displayed uh, in, in your gatherings, and I, I forget what all I said. <clears throat> And and you know none of them would say, yeah, I, I, we're doing great. We're <laughs> I, I think I think we're we're satisfied. And then I just I asked the question, okay, well, you know Einstein's definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expect different results all the time. Uh, well, if we're not satisfied, why do we keep doing the same? Stuff all the time. Uh huh. And well, well, harvest is part of our focus because it's on the heart of God, and I, I think. You know, the probably the primary focus is is to know the heart of God, and and to draw near, and and to be ministers of God. Uh, correct me if I'm or add anything you guys feel like you want to add, uh, and and we we want to learn how to be intercessors, and we want to learn how to birth things through prayer. And and we we want to learn how to release uh, people in, into ministries that we we don't even have an idea about now. Uh, jump in. I... <laughs> yes. Be and 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 I think you know. The the thing and, and Arnie communicated this last week, I think. Uh, you know, we I don't want to communicate. We don't want to communicate that that we think we're doing everything right, and that we're the ones who are hearing from God and everybody else isn't. And because that's not our our heart in this at all. Uh, we just we're trying to respond. To what we sense God saying, uh, and however that looks to anybody else, we we could care less, because uh, God has done a work over the last year and a half in delivering us from caring about that. <laughs> yeah, and and I I think 
part of what you're talking about, and, and this, I think I mentioned this already, there's, there's a humility and a dependence on God that, that is being imparted to us in, through this process, I, I believe. Because you, you can't enter into this kind of process with, without some humility. And, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're dependent on God taking us somewhere. Because we, we just confessed to him really honestly last week that, that we're not satisfied with where we are, with the harvest that's coming in, with the power of God that we're seeing, with... Uh, the disciple making that we're doing we're we're not satisfied god we want more and it, it can only come from you <laughs> so uh as as i said at the end of our meeting last friday you know everything that we've said has been intercession tonight god god has heard our our cry and he's heard our yes cuz uh a year ago I had a significant prophetic word from Terry Bennett uh, when we went to see him in uh, Nebraska. Over the last two months, we've received three other significant words from three different people who not, none of the four know anything about each other or and very little about us. Uh, all of them with the message that, that God is wanting to raise up uh, a base of intercessors and spiritual warriors here to raise up Deborahs, to raise up sons of Issachar, uh, and to birth through prayer uh, things in, in, in the Spirit. And so that's four witnesses. <laughs> and, and I trust, I, I, I know three of them well, and, and, and the other one was just so right on. Uh, <laughs> I, th I think we'll be having a long-term relationship there in the church in Riverton. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, honestly, we, we've been trying to make sense of, of what God's been doing for the last year and a half. <laughs> uh, for the last year and a half, <laughs> and seeking him. And I, I feel like now we finally are, are beginning to have some, some vision of, of what, what God really wants to do. Uh, and, and so there's, I, I have renewed hope and vision for what God wants to do. And so I, I am just wanting us to step into this as as much as as we can, and uh, so I feel like the Lord is is calling each one of us to grow in intimacy with Him, and and to grow as an intercessor to to understand that. Um, okay. <clears throat> Even for, for some of us, uh, frustrations that we have experienced in relationships, even, even with people within this body, 
we we got to start recognizing that as a call to intercede for those people. <laughs> and and not just be frustrated or stay frustrated, but instead to take that frustration before the Lord and say, I see this, Lord, so I'm giving it to you, and I'm asking you to do a work in in their lives and, and in my heart. Because we, we don't have the... Uh, how did I put this? Uh, we don't have the privilege of of walking in less grace for God's people than what God does. And, and every one of us has to recognize that. We, God, God doesn't give us permission <laughs> to, to walk with less grace toward one another than what he has toward us. And so I think some of us are learning that too. Robbie. His question is, what, what does it mean that praise is essentially the same as, as intercessory prayer? Uh, prayer is touching the heart of God and being touched by the heart of God. That's prayer. Does that answer your question? Let me give you that definition again. <laughs> uh huh. Well, if if you define prayer, and this is how we should define prayer, is touching the heart of God and being touched by the heart of God. To me, that happens with praise and worship easily. I think for many of us it does. And and that's and that's why uh you know Sonny Weimer who's who's probably one of the I don't know most powerful intercessors that I know uh he he told me once that uh the way you live your life is the most powerful intercession. In other words, and, and he was speaking to me about specific things, when we hear the Lord and we order our life around God fulfilling that word, that is powerful intercession. So, <laughs> I, I I may have more unanswered questions than you do, <laughs> Sonia. <laughs> I, and and it is it is it is okay. Yeah. Uh, so, right, right. <laughs> so you found out you're not. That's that's good. Uh, so, you know, we we put a new 
little thing on the front of the program this week. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out together how to be the church gathered. Or something like that. Because <laughs> we all know how to go to church. <laughs> uh, we all know how to sit through a, a service, but uh, we're not so good at that 1 Corinthians 14 model where when you gather, everyone has a, a song, a hymn, a scripture, a word, um, a tongue. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I guess, you know, maybe last week we were just admitting, God, we, we don't think we're doing it right. <laughs> so help us. <laughs> that. <laughs> Come here. Up, up, up. Did you hear me saying up? <laughs> you want to close with prayer? <laughs> I've been sitting back there thinking that it's very easy for us to focus on what we do and what we look like. But I think part of what God's trying to tell us is our focus needs to be on Him, not us. And it needs to be on the inner life, not so much the things we do. I mean, the, the inner life, if we're... If we're truly hungry for God and we're crying out to Him and we're interceding for those that we see who have need and you know that we care about and you know we want to become a people who are moved by the Spirit. You know, and I think I talked about this last week a little bit that it is so easy in America's church to be controlled by the mind, or we could say the soul. So we're a soulish church rather than a spiritual church. And God wants to change that. He wants us to be people who are completely dependent upon Him because we realize we don't have anything to offer in the natural realm. Not what people need. So the life of God is in the Spirit. Jesus said it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is good for nothing, it says in the ESV. Or profits nothing. So that's the kind of thing that we need to be looking toward. It's like we need to get our eyes on Jesus himself, not on... What do I, you know, again, the, the tendency in the American church is what do I need to do to look good? To look like I'm a, a godly person or a spiritual person. And God's saying, don't worry about that. If your heart is after me, you'll be a spiritual person. Okay? And you're not going to care about whether somebody else thinks you're spiritual or not. That's not the point. I mean, didn't Paul tell us that we are not to compare ourselves with each other? 
Now, we don't, I don't need to be more spiritual than somebody else. I need to be real with God. So, thanks. That's good. Uh, I think, you know, part of what we're learning is learning how to just be. Uh, I, I feel like uh, if if we can get there, we, we can learn how to be before God. And then we we do what he's doing and we speak what he's saying. We'll accomplish more in six months, even if we had to wait three years to get there, <laughs> than if we had done everything we could think of for those three and a half years. So I guess uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to wait. Uh, yes? I find this refreshing because it's mm-hmm. I, I, I hope you all wrote down that definition for prayer because I got that on the fly. <laughs> I never heard that before in my life. But when it came out, I knew that was a better definition for prayer than I'd ever heard. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to look at prayer a little differently from, from now on, <laughs> having that definition. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to close with prayer. Uh, <clears throat> Father, I, I thank you for your wisdom, for your ways. Um, we ask to know your ways more. And Lord, um, thank you for the journey. We say yes to dependence and humility. Um, people chew on the idea of uh, a forerunner ministry before we all corporately say yes to that. So Lord, give us revelation of what that looks like in our own lives. Lord, we, we do want to be your people. We, we want to be the priests that you intended your people to be. We want your church to be a house of prayer for the nations because that was your intent. And I just ask you to lead us. I ask you to teach us to be intercessors, to touch your heart and receive the touch of your heart upon our own. And Lord, just lead us in the journey for the glory of your Son, who we love. Amen. Amen.
I really like this back and forth part. I, I do. I, I think I think that's <clears throat> really valuable. <laughs> so, be blessed. Have a great Fourth of July weekend. <laughs> and uh, we we do have small group lists available, so uh, you can get one of those before you go. We're not starting them. They're, they're all on either Saturday or Sunday or Monday nights, and we're not starting this week. We're starting next week. 